Welcome to The Bear and the Ball. I am your host, Nick Webster. Every week we delve into the world of soccer and the beauty and majesty of the game and cover so many different topics. And today on The Bear and the Ball, I am delighted to welcome Jim Madrid, CEO and founder of Advanced Sports Technology Academy. Jim, welcome to The Bear and the Ball. Well, thank you, Nick Webster. It's a pleasure and honor to be on the show with you today. In all transparency, I've known Jim for uh, about six months now. We we met actually at a board meeting and uh, kind of were like looking at each other sideways and checking each other out and seeing what was what. And uh, we happened to start talking about mindset. And we both believe that mindset is perhaps one of the the most important thing that young people, athletes are working on today and need some guidance with. And uh, Jim has this incredible program that he explained to me and I bought all... Wait, wait, wait. Before I explain to you, you, somebody said something about what I do and you said, well, that's interesting in your nice little sweet little British accent. <laughs> and then I said, why is that? You said, well, look at this little thing I'm working on. And you showed me about 10 different concepts that I went, okay, we need to talk. We were, we had the similar mindset going right then and there. It was pretty cool. It was definitely one of those, uh, one of those moments, those aha moments where Everything seems to make sense, yeah. and uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed our relationship and how we've how we've built on on this, and and how you've brought me into the AST family. So let's. let's to. And that was a that was a have to man. <laughs> a similar person that you know that has the same thought process. Yeah, you know, it was like that was a no brainer. Well, one of the first things we spoke about was the uh, seven fundamentals of mental fitness. And I'm sure the our good people listening at home are thinking, hmm, mental fitness. What what is, exactly is mental fitness? Because I think the mindset and mentality is one of those mysterious things. You can't put a number on it. You can't really measure it, but you know when it's happening and you know when the results are positive. So talk to us a little bit about the fundamentals of mental fitness, what's it about and how we can go about building our own fitness? Well, what, what I was kind of, when I thought about this, um, well, first off, I've been thinking about this for over almost going on 40 years now, Nick. Um, but, you know, when you talk about mental fitness, mental toughness, um, well, you can't be tough unless you're fit. So, you know, I've heard different versions of all that. And yes, we started off by mental toughness. I go, but you got to be mentally fit to be mentally tough. Um, and so that's why we kind of started using the word fitness. You know, it's um, it's not a, you know, if you're looking at it, going to buy a, a go join a, a, you know, a, to, you know, a fitness club. Yeah, it's a fitness club. It's not a toughness club, you know, <laughs> but you get physically tough you know, because you're there. So that kind of meant, made sense to me. The concepts, though, have been introduced to me when I was in high school and, you know, um, by a gentleman named uh, Lou Tice. 
And he was way, way ahead of his time. Uh, in fact, at that time, they called it more about being, uh, you know, uh, pop psychology and yeah. new age thinking. That was the thing. And, you know, if now it's more around positive psychology, which there's degree programs all over the world now in positive psychology, and along with that, cognitive psychology, beliefs, you know, us coaches, we tell our kids, you got to believe in yourself. Well, how does a kid go about doing that? So that part of became part of the, the sum of fundamentals. And then you got to, you know, you got to visualize, you got to, you know, see yourself doing it. Well, okay. But then that became part because how do kids do that effectively? Right. And so um, that became part of the, pro, the, the seven fundamentals. The way we talk to ourselves is part of the seven fundamentals. Uh, our present thoughts determine our future. Um, and if my thoughts at, you know, and research tells us that, while a coach is talking to a player, that player is talking close to 300 words a minute. And then when he stops coaching or she stops talking to her players and they're out there on the pitch, these players are, are talking to themselves at about 900 words a minute. And again, go back to the concept of our present thoughts determine our future. So if I'm thinking, God, I hope I don't, you know, I hope I don't screw up. I hope I don't turn the ball over. I hope I don't let this ball through. I hope I don't let this player through. Guess what? What are they envisioning in their mind? Mm -hmm. And then we had the great opportunity to bring in Dr. Kristen Willemeyer, who is one of the top neuroscientists in the world. And she is absolutely in love with what we do. She came out last year with her book, Biohack Your Brain. She's about mental uh, brain health. And so all these things have been compacted into the seven fundamentals. And mind you, the seven fundamentals, as you know, Nick, are just kind of like the introduction to this kind of thinking, you know, this kind of education. I kind of liken it to you go to a James Bond movie and the opening scene is what? An action scene, right? Dun, you know, and, uh, Mission Impossible, done, 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 right? And it's just like, Boom, it's gripping and you you're in it. Right. And then you go, oh, this is freaking awesome. And then all of a sudden, bam, it, the action scene stops and they go two weeks before, you know, now you're hooked. That's the seven fundamentals. That's how I liken it to is. And it's just as a, a Tom Cruise uh, Mission Impossible or James Bond movie or any kind of action movie. That's the seven fundamental fundamentals. They're that set up that way where these these players from our age, you know, 13 on up, they go, wow, okay, this is cool. And then we got them, and now we can set them up for more education this way. So what was the inspiration for you to to delve into this? Because as you mentioned, you know, 20, 30 years ago, people, we just didn't think about this mental side of the game. Yes, there was there was a, a an inherent toughness that we all seem to uh, – gravitate to but it, it was more physical toughness and and the the prevailing thoughts around that time was well you, you're mentally weak if you couldn't do the physical side that was being demanded so I'm curious as to what your inspiration was and and why you believed in it then even though you were kind of ahead of your time well you know because I played sports I was a soccer player I mean Good God, my last name's Madrid, you know, give me a break. So I was a soccer player and all through elementary school and middle school, my father was my coach. 
And he looked at it too as to uh, coaching at that time. You know, you know, come on, we're talking forty some years ago, fifty uh, some years ago, actually. Um, and you know, soccer in in the states. My father just, I mean, I remember him asking the question, "What's soccer?" It was football to my my father, right? And then he go, "Oh, that's what it is," you know. So, um, and he started coaching us, and we would just crush and but. We would look at the way that the other teams played us and then the way we played. And it was like we were playing the the freshman team and we were the varsity team, you know, like they because the coaches didn't know back then. You know, they just didn't know. And there was a few that were, but my dad was way ahead of the time. But my father was the ultimate optimist. And so everything that he taught us on, you know, uh, being positive and being an optimist and all that. And then when I got into high school and we didn't have a soccer program in high school um, and the football coach happened to be Lou Tice and he was the, also the PE teacher. So he let us play soccer, um, you know, during PE and he saw that I could strike the ball pretty well. So he made me the punter. Funny thing is, I just had a meeting today, uh, this morning with Steve Hauschka, who was an ex-NFL place kicker. He started off playing soccer. So we were kind of interesting on that. But, you know, we, we to me, it was, I just, I, my, the way my father talked, and then meeting Lou Tice and the way he was coaching us. And then my father heard Lou type talk. And you know, he came home and he said, whatever Mr. Tice tells you to do, you do it. And we really start to get, you open our minds into the education part behind it, not the motivation piece behind it. And it's one thing I didn't, Lou never liked being called a motivational speaker. I don't like being called a motivational speaker. It's more about education. And what started out as kind of a personal interest way back then, Nick, became a professional passion for me. And I immersed myself into the education and the science of how your mind is connected to performance. And so that, to me, um, if I showed you my bookcase, um, you know, my wife says every once in a while, you need to read a fiction book. Get your head out of all this technical science stuff. And I start to read a fiction book. And next, you know, I've picked up another book, you know. So, that to me, and, and then I snuck in a few times to listen to Dr. Al Bandura at Stanford University. Um, I snuck into lectures. I had a friend that lived up in the Stanford area, um, and I had a client up there at the time on the corporate side of our business. And I would sneak into lectures. I got busted by school authorities one time. I said, are you a student here? I said, well, hell no. And they said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm just really interested in when he gives a talk on self-efficacy. And so those are the kind of things. Dr. Martin Seligman out of UPenn on, on um, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, you want to have a good night's rest and you go to bed. Before you go to bed, you write three things you're grateful for. That came out of Dr. Martin Seligman. I had the opportunity to meet him back in, in the early, uh, in mid-80s. And, um, you know, when he first started coming out with his, um, uh, you know, learned optimism. Uh, when he did the research on the difference between being optimist and a pessimist. So I followed him around. Um, Angela Duckworth on grit. 
um, incredible, right? I got to share the stage with her five years ago in Fort Worth, Texas, at a uh, positive psychology and element in, in an education conference. I was the only one there talking about positive uh, psychology and youth sports. So, and then I start messing around with some collegiate players and some pro players, pro basketball players. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that even to today, these athletes say at that level, say, I wish I would have had this when I was younger. And that's what really kind of motivated me to go into the youth sports aspect. I've got five children. You know, my oldest twin boys are 45 years old. Uh, you know, this is the kind of education they got, um, along with my 35-year-old son, Chase, Jamie and Jeremy, and my older boys, my daughter, Devin, who will be 25 in a few months, and my son, Ethan, who's 22. You know, they all got brought up on this education. You know, it's it's so interesting you, you, you mentioned education and when we related to sports and as as coaches and, you know, I'm quite a successful coach in my own right, we seem to spend a lot of time on the technical and tactical side of the game, the X's and O's, the physicality. And yet hearing you talk and, and having done my own research and reading, the mental side of the game you know, people talk about it being 90% of the game and the other stuff, the 10% of the game. And yet we spend so little time working on our mentality. Why do you think that is? Well, because look, um, because I think on, especially today, Nick, dealing with the healthcare needs that we need, um, you know, the mental health care needs that we need today uh, post if we ever get out of a COVID variance um, and the scar tissue that this did to these kids, um, all of us, not just these kids. Um, where's the resource? Um, I don't know if you were with me when I was talking to a coach from Cal South, a, a DOC, and he said, oh, good God, where have you been? <laughs> I've been trying to, all I could do is to, their resource has been YouTube videos. Listen to this YouTube video. Listen to that. Um, and I just see that it becomes, it, it's either that or it's too clinical. Yes, we need the clinical. Absolutely, we do need the clinical. But I see a lot of, you know, these um, associations um, hiring health, you know, mental health experts. Yes, we need them. But I don't see a process. And the, if there is a process, it's clinical. And what we get from the pros collegiate to the younger kids is that, well, you know, I've asked top division one schools, you've got a sports psychologist. Why are you using them? Well, because they're too clinical. Your program is practical. And I think that's the problem. And I think we get caught up on some of that. And the health, you know, the mental health experts that we work with, they will sit there and talk clinical to me. And what they enjoy, like Kristen does, is um, they enjoy talking with us. And because, you know, come on, we talk about self-talk, right? And then you can go into the clinical way of that, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, right? It's very clinical, but it's all about changing the belief. Then you change behavior. Change behavior, watch what happens to your performance. But under a clinical way, 
some of them like to make sure that we all know that they got the they're educated and we want to use those big words and let everybody know just you know that and it gets lost well, and that's me, why let me I think that's then. what why why do us lay people why do we get intimidated by the big words i mean it's is is there is it the fear of the unknown um or do we do we like things drilled down with with simplicity? I, I think it, we do like it. It's, it's you know if it's simple to use, uh, it's simple to understand. Then it becomes simple to to use and implement, and that's why. Um, and then there's this um, coaches, and you'll hear this, Nick, as we go on our journey here in the future with uh, Kelsell. You'll hear him say, "Oh, I don't know if I can do that," right? I don't know if I could be a Jim Madrid or Nick Webster or whoever, one of our A's. I don't know if I could do that. Well, it's kind of like the same thing. It was funny because my grandson is playing soccer, um, just starting out, trying out. And so he said to me, he goes, Grandpa, you sure know a lot about soccer. I go, yeah. He goes, and you've you've played at, at that level and you've coached at the very high level. He goes, will you be my coach? And, you know, he's nine years old. And, I mean, how do I say no to that, Nick? You know, you just don't, right? I, I got to tell you a quick story. Uh, Blaine uh, gave us some tickets to a Galaxy game a couple Sundays ago. And I took him and and uh, a couple other friends. And we're five freaking rows back in the, in the, off the, you know, from the field, right? In the cushy seats there, right? And my son says, Grandpa, I thought you were a VIP in soccer. How come we're not down on the field? I go, I'll talk to Blaine about that. Um, but I went over to the tent as they're doing these tryouts. I went over to the tent and I gave my card. Uh, I said, you know, my, it's my grandson. And if you need a, you know, a, a U10 team, I said, I'm, I'd be happy to volunteer to coach. And the lady says, well, do you have your license? And I said, well, yes, I do. She goes, what license do you have? I go, I have a D license. She goes, oh, wow. Okay, good. Yes. And so she goes, well, and I go, well, here's my card. And I walked away. She goes, thank you very much. I'll have the uh, director of coaching get a hold of you. Okay. So we're standing around with my daughter-in-law. And we're watching the, you know, Jack, you know, try out and do the drills. And all of a sudden, the, this big guy comes over and he's got all dressed up in the, you know, the club outfit and stuff. He goes, are you Jim Madrid? And I said, yeah, I am. He goes, are you kidding me? And I go, no, I'm really not kidding you. I'm Jim Madrid. And he goes, oh, well, uh, and I heard you want to coach a U10 team. I go, well, yes, my grandson's on that team. He goes, are you sure? And I go, yeah, I'm sure. He goes, well, hell yes, you know. And he said, by the way, will you talk to our coaches? And I go, well, yeah, you know. And so we'll see. They, they get enough players, we'll do that. And I think that it gets down to that level where, you know, years ago, I, my son Ethan's U10 team, they came to me here too and asked me if I would coach that team. And I said, well, what kind of team is it? And they said, well, we just got, you know, we kind of put mishmash. I had a couple of players on the team couldn't even kick from their hip. They can only kick from their knee. And uh, we ended up winning the South, you know, Orange County. We won the championship. And it was interesting because, one of the dads on the team came up to me um, just before we started the game. And I said, he said, uh, by the way, I put your name in the hat and I, at my company. I said, for what? He goes, well, 
every year we give we take all of our sales agents to hawaii i go you got my attention <laughs> and he goes and we'd like to have you as a keynote speaker i go well great i go um so um what's the name of your company he says oh oakley i went wait what yeah. i go what do you do for oakley because it wasn't jim Gennard. he still owned it at the time and he goes oh i'm the uh, cfo and i said dude you should have told me your kid would have started every game. <laughs> but he goes, I go, you know, so what specifically? He goes, Jim, I've watched you all season. Um, before practice starts, you have these guys laying on the ground visualizing. You have them doing these different mind exercises. And there was no stopping these kids no matter what happened. I saw the resiliency after a loss and how these kids we're over it really fast, and we and how you train them during uh, you know our training sessions. He goes, and if you could do that with these little nine-year-old, ten-year-olds, I'm pretty sure you could do that with with you know adults. And you know it kind of got going that way. And you know I I I enjoy it so much because it worked with me first. And I don't have a degree, and I'm not the guy that sits back and says. Oh, I have the degree of hard knocks because all of my, you know, um, associates that have degrees, they've had some hard knocks. They've had some very hard knocks. And I appreciate that. And I respect them for that. And I've had, you know, close to 40 years of immersing myself into this content. I got asked to be an adjunct professor at uh, Kalu in their sports uh, psychology department. Um, I'm on the board at TCU. And so I'm, you know, I, yeah. Do I wish I would have taken that track? Yeah. But where I'd be today, if I did, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that was the track, uh, kind of the good Lord put me on. And that's where I'm at today. Well, let's take a deep dive into the mental skills program and see how uh, okay, cool. players can benefit. And we can give the people at home a, a broader taste of what AST is all about. And, one of the first things I want to talk about, and, and it's and it's it's something that everyone wishes they could bottle and then just swig it whenever they need it, and that is confidence. And the, and confidence is it's this weirdest substance known to man because you can't hold it, you can't see it, but you can right. certainly feel it, and right. you 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 know when you have it, and you also know when you don't have it. And it seems to me that as as a as a facilitator and an instructor, how do you how do you go about training confidence so that it's there when you need it? Good good question. And and that's probably the number one thing that we get asked um, when parents um, give us a call and inquire to our program is my son or daughter, <coughs> excuse me, is her confidence is, is just shattered. And, and, and what does that come from? 30% of who we are is what we were born with. They call that first nature. It's what we were born with. It's our DNA. It's our genes. It's the color of your hair, color of your eyes, uh, color of your skin, those things. What they call what we know as second nature Oh, that's just second nature to her, right? That's what we've developed along the way. Our habits, attitudes, beliefs, and expectations. You did not come out of the womb speaking English or Spanish or German. You developed that language along the way. 
of what you're exposed to. Um, you weren't born shy. You weren't born without confidence. But let's take a dive into that. Let's talk about shyness and people that are shy. Um, and let's just—we're not going to put them all in the box, but let's just say, for the most part, my wife and I were standing in line many years ago at the bank. And there was a mother there with a little girl. Oh, my gosh, Nick, she was the cutest little thing. Um, curly hair. She was cute. She's looking at us. And my wife kind of bent down a little bit and said, aren't you the cutest little thing? And she wrapped right behind mommy's leg. Mommy turned around and said, I'm sorry. She's very, very shy. Now, if mommy is telling two complete strangers that I'm shy, why? Because mommy's all-knowing. Then I must be shy. And I bet you that wasn't the first and last time that mommy's ever said that about little Susie, right? And that goes on and on and on. I was doing a a workshop with a a business, a company, a few years back. And we do something like this. um, Beliefs. So I said, I'm going to, to the room, I said, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. And I'm going to give you 30 seconds to think of a song. And I'm going to pick three of you out to come up to the front of the room and sing that song. And, of course, the whole room goes, oh, for God's sake. Oh, you know. And then I go, okay, 30 seconds starts now. Everybody, and still hear it, oh, my God. And as I walk up the aisle, Nick, they're putting their heads down. Women are putting their hair. And then you can see some people, they're turning beet red. Okay. And then I go, look, I'm not going to do it, but I want you to check your heart rate about right now. Now I go, oh, my God, you know, (sighs) you know, and I go, you know, look at what happens, right? Moisture starts to occur in the surface of our skin. Our heart rate goes up. Recall is gone. You can't even think because look at your that 900 words a minute going, I hate stuff like this. I can't stand it. Why would it do that? Okay. Ah. The second day, the manager comes up to me and says, you, you know, there was a young lady sitting in the front row. And I said, yes. He said, Jim, she's not going to be here today. I go, why is that? He said, well, because when you pretend like you were going to pick somebody out to sing, she was deathly afraid of that. And she was so afraid that you might actually ask her to come up and sing. That's why she's not here today. That's a little Susie in the bank line 30 years later. And so... Uh, thoughts have accumulated all these years to build our belief system. And then we act and we behave in accordance with the truth, my truth, my belief, my subconscious self-image of myself. And it may not be the truth, but it's mine. And then we act and behave in accordance with that truth. And so habits, attitudes, beliefs, expectations, those are things that we need to work on. Those are things that have been developed our entire lifetime, Nick. And, and then what the, what the confidence piece is, well, maybe a coach. The other day, my neighbor uh, friend, she came over and said, will you go to my son's basketball game? Um, he's in the eighth grade and see what you think. And I went, okay. So then I talked to the kid. It was the first time he's ever played basketball. I took him home. And I said, well, this is your first time. What's your coach like? He said, well, Mr. Madrid, I went up to him and asked him, 
you know, I don't know a lot about basketball. They're from uh, South Africa. And because I don't know a lot about basketball, it's the first time I ever played. And I asked the coach, is there anything I could do uh, to get better? And the coach just looked at him and said, learn the game and walked away from him. That's confidence, right? That's, that's just nicking away at that confidence tree, right? And so, yes. So go back to this. That's how I've set up the, uh, and, and the advice I get from the experts, the pros, the clinical psychologists, the neuroscientists. Am I, are we on the right track here to help build that confidence, that belief in themselves of what they can cause, bring about, or make happen in certain situations? And so that's how the curriculum is kind of set up. And as you've seen it and you've, you've gone through it, you know, vision drives performance. What, where does anxiety come from? Anxiety comes from fear. And so what we've been living through this last couple of years is the fear of unknown. And those, those uncontrollable, uncontrollable things that, you know, we can't control, but I can control my emotions about these uncontrollables. And so if I don't know where I'm going, I become Alice in Wonderland, hitting the fork in the road and asking the cat what road to take. And the cat said, well, where are you going? And she said, well, I don't know. Well, then it doesn't matter what road you take. And if we start going down the wrong road, then we get fearful because we don't know where in the hell we're going to end up. So can we give these kids some sort of idea about how to set a vision? And parents, if you're listening to this, coaches, if you're listening to this, simple question to ask is, at the end of this season, what would you be so very proud of, young player, that you accomplished this season? What would you be so proud of? And you go, well, what do you mean? Well, in your skills, in your abilities. You know, and your confidence in playing, what would you be so very proud of? And then you can bring it back to, you know what, this week during training, what would you be so very proud of that you would accomplish this week in training? What would that look like? What did you, and then look back, what, did, what were you so very proud of that you accomplished last week in training, in the game? You know, what did you, not just harp on what you did wrong, but what, did, what were you so proud of? And then, you know, so it's school, you know, and give them some sort of that. Understand a little bit of how their mind works because, you know, we can tell everybody to set goals, but they don't know why it works. Again, we can tell them to use visualization, but they don't know how it works. And so all those tools that we give them, these concepts bit in there, that's where that confidence can start being built. And, and by the way, and happiness, you know. And they have every right to be, and they're all worthy of happiness, you know, and be able to deal with the basic challenges, the everyday basic challenges of life. And the seven fundamentals were initially started and created for that purpose only. And now through the window of sports, we have this great opportunity to do this and it's working. Well, you you mentioned the pandemic and the amount of scar tissue that has, has, has been developed and uh, there's a really interesting component where, you know, you talk about coping skills and I'm looking at that right now as, as one of the most important platforms uh, of, of the entire program, because I feel in, in, in my work as a coach, I've noticed that the, the players, the students, they don't have the same kind of grit that you mentioned earlier that Duckworth spoke about. And we've 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 kind of 
we kind of lost that and, and because basically they've been indoors for the last 18 months and, and, and lost that interaction. So how do you go, how do you go about developing something as simple and yet as complicated as coping skills? Well, I think, you know, um, goals, first off, um, again, um, having them written down, um, I hear people say, <clears throat> out of sight. I mean, uh, you don't have to write my goals down. I have them right here. And that's all right, Jim. You said, uh, get yourself some water. <laughs> yeah. And uh, um, this is the third podcast I've done today, by the way. Um, I think, again, I go back to, you know, a process. And I think if they, they know where they're going, when we get hit, it's like a heat-seeking missile, okay? It's like locked onto the target. But it gets bounced off, and zip, it comes right back. And the problem with goal setting, for those that have found it difficult to achieve, because the goals didn't have that much significance to them. Did somebody else set that goal for them? And so if it's if somebody else sets it for them, it's not like a heat-seeking missile. Dude, it's going to be, you know, they can fire off those things and, oh, and then, hey, I'm over here, you know, doing something else, you know, because it didn't have that much value to them. And if we can get them to have the 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 significance, the purpose behind that goal. I look at players, coaches, referees, business owners. Tell me what your vision is. And then I ask these three simple questions. So what if you achieved it? Who cares if you achieved it? And what difference would it make if you did achieve it? Now, you've really got to sit down and you've got to take some time to answer this question. I mean, what do you mean, so what? So what? I mean, do you see what that vision is? Yeah, I do. But so what if you achieve? Well, here's the so what. I think that if you, you know, at our website at astacademy.com, the first thing you see pretty much on our page is the vision of AST to graduate 500,000 students by year end 2026. Then right underneath that, you see the purpose of that. The purpose is, is to, you know, uh, to to supply these kids, to give these kids, our players, our student athletes and kids, the mental skills, the life skills that will impact their lives positively for the rest of their lives, not just while on the field. But that's our purpose. And purpose drives vision and vision drives the performance. It kind of backs the other way around. So when you say that, you ask that question, how do we keep them on track and the coping skills? It's um, started with Brad Evans, who played for the Seattle Sounders and the U.S. men's national team. Brad and I start doing this, and I start asking, I go, Brad, you know what you ought to do with your three goals for this match coming up? He goes, what's that? I go, I want you to put those on a three-by-five card and stick them in your sock. And <laughs> Ziggy Schmidt heard about that. He goes, what? <laughs> and so... That's how I got in with the Sounders. I mean, uh, and that was because of Brad. I've been working with Brad since he was at UCI in 2000. And so I came in and and Brad just said, it works. Because if I don't have my goals written down and with me, they're out of sight, out of mind. 
in in the match, there's all kinds of things going on. It's all these different moments happening to us, right? There's 90 plus minutes of, and I've got so many moments within those 90 minutes. And I want to make the best of those moments. And I think what we do is we concentrate on X's and O's and those moments that we can take care of. You're small-sided? Yes, we do that. But what happens if you get doubled down here in the corner? How am I going to get out of there? How do you see yourself getting out of there? And if you practice that in your mind plenty of times, you have that written down, how good you are at getting out of situations like that, because I've done that before. So those coping skills, it takes time to develop that. But let's start these kids out with, I mean, the exercises, as you know, Nick, the different things and activities that we do for the individual players and for the kids, I, I, those are the things that they can bounce right back. And that's the resiliency thing is how do I get back onto that heat, that, that target, that heat seeking missile and baby, I'm on fricking, you know, I'm on target. I'm going to explode. I'm going to hit that target. Just listening to you uh, makes me think about another aspect of the program, because as you're talking, I can tell, I can hear that you are in the zone. And yeah. that, that mythical state that every yeah. athlete dreams about being. And I think, you know, we can look at some of the greatest athletes of all time. You know, Michael Jordan would talk about it. Uh, uh, Tom Brady, being in the zone. And when you're in that space, you feel like you can do anything. Yep. As, as a facilitator and a, and a teacher, it, it, it seems to me that that, that must be such a hard thing to to be able to quantify to a young girl or a young man who's looking at you saying, Jim, how can I get in the zone? And Okay, great. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I like the zone because everybody knows that part. But I like flow. Um, you're in flow. And when we see the Michael Jordans and we see the Clint Dempsey's and we see uh, Ronaldo, uh, we see Messi and, you know, uh, Neymar and we see all these great athletes and we see them. Do you think they're thinking about rent money? Do you think they're thinking about their girlfriends? Do you think they're thinking about, did I take the garbage out today because garbage days out? No, they're in flow. But what leads up to that are the flow activities I just talked about. The goal setting the visualization, talking with somebody, writing things down, flow activities. Um, three things I did really good. Three things after training today. I put down today's date. And then three things, and I do this even on my on my side of it, at the end of my day, three things I could have improved today. Um, three things I crushed today. And by the way, I don't write these long-winded sentences out. I just write maybe two to three words that describes it. Three things I needed to improve today. Three things I crushed today. And three things I'm looking forward to doing tomorrow. Those are flow activities. And that sets me up for my matches. That sets me up for my big events. It's called Flow. And um, there's a book out called Flow, but it's Dr. Uh, Mahali uh, hard. He's got one of those long uh, names. Um, Chetsumalia, uh, PhD. It's called Flow, and it's a clinical book. I love the book. And, um, you know, you just, I love the flow activities. 
And all those things lead up to those that when you're in there, you're just in flow. Okay. You're, you're just not thinking about anything else. Uh, we do this exercise when we introduce like, you know, for example, I've got a NFL, um, I'm hopeful. He just had pro day. I uh, just got finished today with pro day and he was going into the draft. And I remember the first time I ever met him in his agent's office and I do this little thumb exercise with him. I get him to visualize, right? And the first time I ask him to twist around, place his feet flat on the ground, stick his right thumb out, and then follow his thumb around like he's giving you a thumbs up and follow it around as far back as humanly possible and make a mental mark on the wall behind you. And I go, come on, is that as far as you can go? And, and they give it maybe a couple more inches. Then I stand there and I have him visualize. And I give him, uh, okay, now, you know, visualize that you don't move your body and just see your thumb going to the first mark. Now create a second mark by in your mind by going 12 inches past the first mark. Great. Come back to around the front, keeping your eyes closed. Again, look at your thumb, twist around and you, only in your mind to the second mark on the wall behind you. Now create a third mark by going a foot past that third mark. Stretch really hard. And they're not moving their physical body. They're only doing this in their mind. Then I go, got it. And they go, yep, lock onto it. Yep. Then I have them turn around, come back around the front mentally. And then I go, okay, open your eyes, stick your thumb out and go to third mark. And they just go like this, bam. And they nailed and they go, holy smokes. And you, if you have a group of players in the room or people in the room that you can hear their marks go, wait, what? How did I do that? And it's amazing to see, right? Because they, you know, it's like, if your brain says that's as far as I can go, then we're going to do a stupid thing. And that's as far as we can go. And then when you see that, they didn't think about how am I going to do it? They just did it. They were in flow. But before that, I gave them flow, flow activities. And that's what helped them uh, get to into flow. Jim, as, as we wrap this up, how can people and and where where is Cal South and AST? What what is their relationship, and how can people uh, dive into this program? and And who's it for? Um, you know, it's for everybody in the world. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's really designed at this time as for players thirteen age thirteen on up. But as if you're coaching a rec team or you're coaching a club team and it's younger than that then it's for you too, coach. Um, we have a coaches program, as you know, Nick. Uh, it's for officials. In fact, tomorrow night I'm giving a talk. I need to tell you about that. Tomorrow night I'm doing a talk, uh, just a introductory thing for Cal South um, region of um, referees in Torrance. And um, it's for administrators, um, clubs, because we've done, you know, from – Fortune 500 companies, we've worked with those uh, on kind of a holistic organizational uh, development. Um, And, uh, you know, all the way up into um, your coaches, you know, uh, I had the great honor and I was blown away. And I'm still to this day of being able to coach Ziggy Schmidt. Um, You know, Coach George Koontz from Cal State Fullerton sat with us, went to a game at uh, Galaxy. And at the end of the game, we went over to the hotel and George is sitting right there and blew my mind. And Ziggy goes, so how'd I do tonight, Jim? And I went, wait, what? <laughs> what Jim are you talking to, right? Me? And I'm, 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 you want to talk about 300 words a minute? Because my mind was just going, wait a minute, this is the great Ziggy Schmidt just asked me, right? Um, and we had a great relationship. And I 
what a great, great loss. AST, um, that's who it's for. You can get a hold of us through astacademy.com, A-S-T, academy.com. You can also get a hold of us through CalSouth's uh, office. They know how to contact us. We've got uh, one of the things that we're looking at doing is coming into clubs and installing a director of uh, mental fitness. And we would be the resource and we would be monitoring all that for your club and get it down to, um, you know, your players through your coaches. And that's our ultimate goal is to do it that way. Jim Madrid, AST Academy. CEO and founder. Thank you so much for joining the Bear and the Ball. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Webster. You can find Cal South at Cal South Soccer uh, on Instagram at Cal South Soccer and, of course, on Facebook. The Bear and the Ball will be back next week. Once again, thanks to Jim Madrid. You are always welcome. Thank you, Nick. What a pleasure. This was a gas. We got to do this more often, Nick. You better believe it. Thank you, Jim. <laughs>